I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I was always the kid people picked on at school. The girls would spread rumors about me and the boys would harass me nonstop. See, I'd always known that I'd wanted to be a nanny. I loved babysitting and looking after kids, so it seemed like a natural career choice for me. I made the mistake of telling this to a girl, who I thought was my friend, and she proceeded to tell everybody at school. As this was perceived as feminine, I instantly became the target for everyone. There was one boy who loved to terrorize me. I'll call him Jack for the sake of the story. Now, Jack was awful. He would follow me home while throwing things at me, vandalize my schoolwork, call me disgusting names, steal my stuff, cut my hair in class, etc, etc. I was terrified of him. It got to the point where I couldn't sleep from the fear of having to deal with him at school the next day. I blame him and his friends for the anxiety I had. So I reached a breaking point not long after Christmas when I was 15. My family never had a lot of money, but we got by. My mom had saved for ages to buy me my first phone. No, it wasn't the newest model, but I didn't care. I was so grateful to have my first phone, and a little guilty that my mom had gone without her new Christmas outfits and had put off fixing her own phone to buy it for me. Once the schools went back after Christmas break, Jack found out about my phone. He took it from me and proceeded to read through my messages, making fun of me for telling my mom that I loved her. He then threw it to the floor and stomped on it in front of his friends, and they all laughed. I was furious, upset, and devastated that he had destroyed something that my mom had worked so hard to buy for me. It was at this point I started planning my revenge. Now, I knew through the grapevine that Jack's mom was a stay-at-home mom. His dad had a well-paid job, and his mom was quite happy to stay at home with the kids. Four-year-old twin girls. I also knew, however, that she didn't get to go out much, as Jack would flat-out refuse to babysit, and she was pretty picky when it came to who was allowed to look after the kids. I used to babysit her friend's little boy. However, for my plan to work, I had to babysit Jack's siblings. I made a few comments here and there to the little boy's mom, about wanting to get a few more babysitting jobs so I could save up money for my mom's upcoming birthday. As luck would have it, the lady recommended me to Jack's mom. For the next few weeks, I would go to Jack's house and look after his little sisters. Despite Jack's awful attitude, his family was pretty nice. His little sisters were an absolute joy to look after. Now, Jack wasn't usually in the house, but when he was, I could see that it killed him to have to be civil to me, as his mom would have flipped out if he'd been horrible to me in front of her, or his little sisters. Once I decided enough time had passed, I put my plan into action. You see, Jack was one of those creepy kids that liked to brag about his adult magazine stash in his bedroom. Anyways, every time I'd babysit and put the little ones to bed, I'd sneak into his bedroom and search around. Now, I know this is a massive invasion of privacy, but I was a stupid 15-year-old kid, and I couldn't take his bullying anymore. I eventually found his stash, and made a mental note that they were in a bag in his closet. I'd been observant for those few weeks, so I knew that Jack's mom and dad had an unopened bottle of vodka in the fridge. They didn't drink a lot, and it was only for when they were going to parties. One night, once the little ones were asleep and Jack was out with his friends, I went to the fridge, opened the bottle of alcohol, and tipped about a quarter of it down the sink, and then snuck up to Jack's bedroom and hid the bottle in the same bag as his stash. His parents found out not too long after, and of course, Jack accused me of taking it, so they showed up at my door. Now, they weren't angry because they still didn't know who had taken it, so they asked me some questions. Of course, I denied everything, but I was polite. 
and even offered to help them look for it in case it'd been misplaced. They thanked me, but told me it was fine. They'd find it. And oh boy, did they find it. I was called over the next day to take the little ones to the park for an hour or so, in order for them to have a talk with Jack. When I got back, Jack was in his bedroom, and he was crying. It turns out that he had ratted himself out. His parents found the bottle of alcohol in his room, along with his adult magazines. He denied everything, and accused me of planting the alcohol there. When asked why I do that, he ratted himself out by saying that it was payback for him breaking my phone. And his parents flipped out. They had no idea their son was like this. They took away his phone, grounded him, and made him sell his game console to pay to get my phone fixed. His face when they made him hand me the money will stay with me forever. His parents then questioned me about what he was doing to me, eventually informing my mom as well. He also got into a lot of crap at school, after a few kids came forward about the bullying that they'd endured at the hands of Jack and his friends. A few of them, including Jack, got suspended. Jack's parents even made him go door to door to apologize to the people he'd tormented. Now, I was reluctant to take the money at first, as it was way over the amount that it would cost to get my phone fixed. So his parents compromised and told me to take enough to at least cover the repair cost. Needless to say, with the phone repair covered, I managed to get my mom an awesome birthday gift. Now, I know a lot of people generally dislike the typical school bully revenges, as a lot of the times they lack some depth and often come off immature. But guys, this is one of the most advanced teenager revenges ever. Like, it must have killed Jack to have the person he picked on at school inside of his own house, leading to his downfall. Props to OP for that wonderful execution. What a satisfying story. So, this incident blew up in March 2021, in the middle of lockdowns and stuff. At the time, I was working as a manager in a mid-sized business. While I was there, I was assigned a new member to my team. I'll call her Evil. Now, Evil was in her mid-twenties. She was pretty fresh out of college, and she was the kind of person who could talk your ear off about all of her ideas and plans and whatever she was working on, but never really seemed to have anything to show for it. When I talked to her about clients complaining that she wasn't getting back to them, she would always have an excuse about how difficult they were, how snowed under she was, and how she had written an email but it must have gotten lost in spam, so on and so forth. Basically, never her fault. So, it got to the point where, after one of our monthly meetings, I called her in and explained that if she couldn't get her tasks done, she needed to let us know so we could help delegate the resources to make sure that things weren't slipping through the cracks. I'll admit, I was pretty direct. Her performance was impacting the whole team, and my job was literally to keep the team on track. Now, I get that people can be under pressure. There can be a lot of stuff going on at home which impacts work, and sometimes people do need a bit of help. But if every time I ask you about a project, you say, yep, everything's good, I've got it under control, and then it falls apart and your only response is to blame the client, we have a problem. I explained that I wasn't going to start a formal performance management or anything like that. But from now on, I'd like her to check in with me on Monday mornings for 10 minutes to go over the objectives for the week and to check if she needed support with any clients. I know it's not fun to be micromanaged, so I tried to keep these check-ins short and mostly just offer assistance on stuff. Now, she clearly hated my guts, though, and apparently she was hatching her own revenge. Now, part of my role included the use of a purchasing card, which wasn't in my name, but I had access to. I was given the card to basically make small purchases for the office, or spend up to $500 on clients. 
The card was kept in an office that I shared with another team manager, where we could both access it when we needed. One day, I get a call from accounts, asking about a few abnormal purchases on the card. A Photoshop subscription, a couple of Uber Eats orders, an HBO subscription, etc. I say I don't know anything about them, and they should check with the other team manager. Apparently the other team manager didn't know anything about them either, because after the weekend, I get called into the big boss's office. After my colleague and I denied involvement, accounts started to call Adobe and Uber to find out where the transactions were coming from. They said that not only were the accounts in my name, they were registered to an email address with my name too. Now I can't describe what it felt like to be in that meeting, I felt physically sick. I couldn't work out what was happening. I was so shocked I didn't know what to say. I felt like I was about to get fired and couldn't understand how that was even possible. The director was going on and on about how access to the card was privileged and that I had signed an agreement about appropriate use, and so on and so forth. I denied I'd been using it inappropriately, and the boss listened, but I could tell he wasn't that convinced. To be honest, in my head, I was gaslighting myself and worrying that I had somehow saved the card in Google, and maybe my wife had accidentally used it or something. It was terrible, and I found myself apologizing and saying, I don't know how this happened. I assure you that I know none of these expenses are appropriate uses of company funds. There must have been some kind of mistake. Can I please have the details and I'll look into it? When I finally got out of that office, my job still intact, barely, Evil was waiting for me at my office door. She was grinning from ear to ear, and sweetly explained that she had been waiting for our morning meeting. I told her something had come up, and we'd do the meeting tomorrow. And she said, Oh, will you be in tomorrow? Now, I was confused, so I just replied, Yes, why wouldn't I be in tomorrow? And she just sipped her tea and said, Oh, no reason. She then turned around and went back to her desk. Now, something felt off, but I was still worrying about what happened with the boss, so I spent the next couple of hours calling my wife, calling Adobe, and doing the same legwork that accounts had done. It became very obvious that someone had been using my name and the company card to spend a bunch of money online. It was Uber Eats that was her undoing. After getting on the phone and talking through what had gone on, and obviously giving my name for the accounts and everything, the fellow on the phone told me where the food had been delivered. It was in our city, which made me rule out straight away any notion of my data being sold online or something. Now I was suspicious and pissed. I don't like to think the worst of people, but now I was. Listening to my guts, I pulled up Evil's employee information and checked her address. I pulled it up on Google Maps, dropped a pin on her place, and then looked for the address Uber Eats had given me. It was the corner of her effing block. I was furious. When she left for work that day, I got IT to give me access to her laptop. And sure enough, when I opened up her domain.com account, under her listed accounts was my account. There were some things she had been smart about. The IP address she'd used was the office, which would have tied it back to me. She had even had the food delivered to a different address. She even made a fake email address. But saving her passwords on a work computer was a big mistake. I called the boss that night and explained what I found and kept the IT guy with me to support the fact that I just hadn't logged into her computer and made it all up. The next day, the boss calls her into the office, and he fired her so bad that there were red fire trucks lining up outside the building. When she teary-eyed left his office, I made sure I was standing in the hall sipping a cup of tea. It had gotten cold while I waited for her, but it still tasted sweet. Now I hope she went home that night, because if she did, she would have received a nice goodbye Wendy's delivered by Uber Eats, paid for on my personal card, of course. Revenge and justice can be the same thing, right? In the end, she was fired. The boss apologized, and we were on good terms when I left in October for a new gig. She never apologized, and I haven't seen her since. The boss decided not to get the police involved, and neither did I. I just didn't want the hassle.
What a crazy story, guys. Yeah, let's just uh, try to get my boss fired because he was asking me to do my job properly and he was even willing to give me assistance. Like, what a nut job. I want to say that I hope she learned her lesson and didn't repeat that somewhere else, but who am I kidding? She probably didn't even see anything wrong with what she did. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So this story isn't about me, but two people I'm friends with. We'll call one Ray and one Justin. For some background, Ray and Justin grew up in an extremely restrictive, insular religious community that borders on being a cult. They both read a lot from a young age, even though reading outside the religion's material was discouraged. And so, both of them grew increasingly skeptical and dissatisfied with their environment, due to having this peek into the outside world. In high school, this shared mindset brought them together, and they started secretly dating. For context, dating was absolutely strictly forbidden in this religious community. You went straight from single to married with zero in between. So when Justin and Ray's parents caught them dating, they forced them to get married. Now, just to be clear, it wasn't like they were even having sex. They basically were just driving around together, holding hands, and it was very tame, sheltered kid stuff. Ray and Justin lived together as husband and wife. But unfortunately for their families, putting those two together doubled their resiliency and together, they cooked up a plan to get out. They set up a secret bank account at a bank outside the religious community's influence, since their families had access to their accounts. And everybody who worked at the main bank was also in the same community, and they gossiped about everybody's financial transactions. They started squirreling away money in small amounts that the family wouldn't question being missing from their paychecks. When they were 20, they finally had enough money to start over, and they got out. They basically left their house in the dead of night with nothing but what could fit in their car and they uprooted to live across the country. Pretty quickly after they moved, they decided to get divorced, since they never wanted to be married anyway. They still lived together for a while, and basically became something between platonic roommates and each other's only family. Over time, they start dating other people. Some partners were scared off by the weird relationship between them, but most got it. They understood that Justin and Ray had basically bonded through mutual trauma. I also met both of them during this time, and we became close friends. This whole time, both their families and other members of the community were relentlessly harassing them. People were showing up at their house at all hours, and they had a reason to believe that people were trying to steal their identity, as well. Then Justin had a bad accident. A really bad accident. He was on his bike and a car blew through a stop sign without slowing down and plowed right into him. He had to be rushed to the hospital and landed in the ICU. Ray was his emergency contact and I was with her and some other friends when she got the call. I immediately drove her to the hospital with a couple of other people and she was melting down. 
understandably. The hospital staff wouldn't let us all in when we got there, but they let Ray in. She came out periodically to let us know what was going on. Justin wasn't unconscious, but he was totally out of it, and he didn't seem to know that she was there probably from the painkillers, but she was convinced that he had permanent brain damage and basically the group of us were just soothing her and reassuring her that it's gonna be fine. We'd been there all night and part of the day at this point, and the medical staff was giving us reason to be hopeful, but things get worse. To this day, no one knows how they found out, but after 14 hours after Justin's accident, his parents, uncles, and grandfather showed up. They immediately had all of us removed from the ICU, Ray included. Unfortunately, as his ex-wife, she was no longer his legal next of kin, and she had no rights against his blood family. At this point, she was absolutely hysterical and inconsolable. She was convinced that Justin's family would hurt him. Now, I'm ashamed to say that the three of us that were there with her thought that she was overreacting. We all knew Ray and Justin had left a messed up situation, but it wasn't like his own family would do anything to impede his recovery, would they? She was getting angry with us for trying to calm her down, and tried to explain that according to her religion, she and Justin deserved punishment from God, and only the greatest suffering could prompt repenting and redemption. She said their families embraced this thinking, and wanted them to suffer, because it would prove that they did the wrong thing by leaving, and suffering would drive them back to the fold. She said as long as Justin was with his family, he wouldn't be safe. One of our friends who worked for the hospital came and found Ray at this point. She made Ray swear up and down that she wouldn't tell anyone she told her this, because she could get in deep trouble for releasing privileged information to someone unauthorized. She told Ray that she had caught wind that Justin's parents were aggressively demanding the hospital release him into their care, and they were involving lawyers. The hospital was currently refusing because Justin wasn't stable enough to leave, but our friend warned Ray that as soon as Justin got stable, or the lawyer scared the hospital enough, it's possible the parents would be able to take Justin. Now, hearing this shocked the rest of us. Realizing his parents were not only willing to remove Justin from the hospital that saved his life, but they were actively trying to do it. It made us really get for the first time why Ray was going out of her head with fear. At this point, Ray snapped into do or die mode. Convinced that Justin was about to literally die if she didn't act, she decided she would do everything in her power to start a fire at home, so Justin's family would want to run back to put it out. And this wasn't too hard, because she had a lot of dirt on the whole community where she came from. Like a madwoman, she started blowing the whistle all over Justin's family. She called the IRS fraud hotline, and she detailed all the ways that the family business was committing tax fraud. She then submitted an ATF tip about how that same family business was illegally selling firearms without a license and without following any proper protocols, and was knowingly selling guns to convicted felons. She then reported one of Justin's uncles for owning several guns as a convicted felon. She also reported Justin's mom's unlicensed daycare business, which was apparently extremely shady, including having over 30 kids packed into one house. She then called CPS on Justin's uncles and his parents for keeping their kids out of school and for physical abuse in one uncle's case. In all of these reports, she provided extensive details. She then finished her calls and emails and then waited. We all waited for several hours and nothing happened. Then miraculously, Justin became lucid enough to understand what was going on and to make his own decisions, and he kicked his family out again. From there began a slow but steady path to recovery. In all the relief and excitement to see Justin on the mend, we'd almost forgotten about Ray's campaign of desperation, until a couple of weeks later, when the screaming voicemails started pouring into both of them. First, the business was being investigated by the IRS, and then it was being investigated for illegal firearms dealing, and then the daycare was getting investigated. At first, Ray felt a little guilty, but then she was like, you know what, no regrets, they would have killed Justin. 
From what they've been able to piece together in the year and a half since this happened, the business has gone under, and the daycare is shuttered. The uncle is six months into a new five-year prison sentence for firearm possession. CPS investigated, which scared the family, but nothing really came of it, which is especially sad in the case of the cousin being physically abused. That said, the parents are now too scared to keep their kids home from school, and with the unlicensed daycare shut down, mom's not exploiting her daughter's labor anyway, so she has no incentive to keep them home. So Justin's siblings are at least getting their education. Justin and Ray are both happy and thriving, but Justin unfortunately will never fully recover from the accident. He's got some permanent neurological damage that results in tremors, but he's pumped to be alive. He can work a full-time job, and he can still be pretty physically active. As far as I'm concerned, he wins. Guys, what an absolutely crazy story. And I love how Ray acted so quickly and decimated the family. Guys, I couldn't imagine what would have happened if Justin was released back into his family's care. And I don't even want to think about it. Hearing about cult communities scares the crap out of me. And I'm glad Justin and Ray are living the lives they want to live now. And that, my friends, brings us to another end of our slash pro revenge. Guys, I know it's been a while. And hey, thanks for popping by to listen to these satisfying revenge stories. If you missed yesterday's episode on the channel, an entitled Karen harasses an army veteran and she gets taught a lesson. I'm going to link it right here if you missed it. Check it out if you haven't. And myself and Stevie Boy will see you guys in the next one. We love you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.